Testament will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 23 through 33. The title of message is the importance of the Lord's Supper. This is a very important day. It's a very important day. And I'm going to spend some time with you in the Apostle Paul's writings because it's so important what the Lord's Supper represents. It's so important the way we prepare for it. And it's so important that we prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper. It's not just simply something that we do. It is one of the two ordinances that we observe. It's not just simply something we do. It is very important. And so we're going to spend some time this morning looking at what Paul says about it before we actually partake of it. Today is a special day in God's house. And you know that any day is special in God's house. I mean, they're all special but this one's very significant. This one has a, a special meaning. Today is a, a special significant meaning of, of what it means. Today's the day that we observe the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is not simply something that we tack on the end of the worship service. It's not simply something that goes on the end. It's just not just the closing part of it. The, wor- the Lord's Supper is in itself a worship experience. Amen. It is something to be taken seriously. It's something, not something we just schedule quarterly. It's a worship experience. It is a reflection and a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for all people. It's a reflection of the sacrifice that he made. It's a reflection of God's unconditional love that he has for people. It has significant meaning and significant value. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we need to be mindful of the seriousness of this worship experience. We need to be thoughtful about it. We need to be mindful about it. We need to understand what it truly represents and make sure that we are in a right relationship with God before we partake of it. Because that's what the Bible says. We need to be in a right relationship with God. And we need to be in a right relationship with other believers before we partake of this. Jesus Christ took the ingredients of a common meal in that day. Bread and wine was a common ingredient in the average meal of that day. And he transformed it into a symbol. Something that represented a meaningful spiritual experience for us to observe. The bread and the wine itself did not change into anything else. It didn't change into the body and the blood of Christ. It's strictly a symbol that represents the body and the blood of Christ. The understanding of this value and this experience depends on the condition of the hearts of those people who participate. If you don't understand it, you need to be questioning yourself about it. And we're going to work through the scripture this morning. And I hope we can shed some light on how you partake of the Lord's Supper, how you prepare your own heart for the Lord's Supper. When we look at at 1 Corinthians, the church of Corinth had had a hard time understanding the importance of the Lord's Supper. Many of them were partaking of it with an unworthy manner. And that's what Paul's trying to talk about this morning. Many of them had taken it in an unworthy manner. And the Apostle Paul makes it very clear to the Christian church that each person who partakes of the Lord's Supper should be in a right relationship with God the Father and a right relationship with other believers. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 3. For I received from the Lord that, that what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. And do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks without judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. And Father, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. God, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout the scripture, the body makes multiple references about the, the heart, the human heart. You know, I enjoy talking about that because I'm a, a medicine guy by trade. The heart is the center of a person's physical being. It's the, the center of a person's physical beating. It, it, it controls the, the body in itself. It's the first thing that starts beating in life form. The human heart is a significant value from a physical standpoint. And that's from a human standpoint, from a physical standpoint. Cardiology is the specialty that examines nothing but the heart. They focus on the heart. There's, there's studies of doctors, and all they do is work on the heart. All they do is try to keep the heart healthy. All they do is try to keep the heart going like it's supposed to because it is so important from a physical standpoint. The human heart also has significant spiritual value. It has the same kind of value when the Holy Spirit comes inside of a believer. He moves into what? He comes into the heart. And there's a change of the heart. Amen? There's a change when he moves in. The function of the heart is a, a physical indicator that distinguishes between life and death. It's what determines whether there's life or whether there's death in the human body. It is a focal point of change when a person becomes a born-again believer. They have a change of heart. You know, when anytime somebody changes from what they've done or something from what they've been doing or something that they like, you say, that, well, that person must have had a change of heart. It changed the difference in his heart. And it is where the Holy Spirit moves in and lives inside of the believer. Church, understand this. It is a serious matter to come to the Lord's table with an unprepared heart. And if you don't learn anything this morning or you don't get anything, we need to focus on why we come to the Lord's table and that we self-examine our own lives and not anybody else's. We need to examine our own lives and we need to make sure we're in the right relationship with God. This is a self-examination time. It's not about anybody else's issues. It's not about anybody else's time at the, at the foot of the cross. It's about self-examination. If we approach the Lord's table with the right attitude, if we come with the right attitude, partaking of the Lord's Supper the way it was meant to be, it gives us the opportunity of spiritual growth. It gives us the opportunity to receive the blessings that God has for us, and He has blessings waiting on us. Amen? There's a three observations, and Jason put this up because these are the three points that I want you to look at this morning. There's three observations that we must keep in mind when partaking of the Lord's Supper. No matter what it looks at, these are the three things I want you to focus on this morning. We need to look back, we need to look forward, 
and we need to look within. That's what the scriptures tells us. That's what Paul's going to talk to us about this morning. First, we look back. We need to look back and reflect on the fact that the Lord's body was broken. His blood was shed on the cross for the sole purpose of, of providing a, sacri- a sacrifice so that we could have salvation. We need to look back at the sacrifice that he did. No one, not once in the Bible does Jesus Christ ask us to remember his birthday. Not one time in does he remember his birthday. Now, we do remember his birthday. We celebrate his birthday. In December, we have a, a big to-do about it. The Bible says a lot about his birth because the birth of the Messiah is coming into the world for a sole purpose of providing salvation. So there's a lot of scripture that talks about it. God orchestrated a lot of things to fall into place for the birth of the Messiah to take place. It is a big deal that there's a birthday, but nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, I want you to remember my birthday. We celebrate it because of the significance that it is, but that's just it. We want to make sure that we remember it. Jesus was way more concerned about people remembering his death than he was about them remembering his birth or his life. It was more important they remembered the reason that he died and that people would, would come to know him because of that. Now, let's look at two things, and this is what some people call, what, Christers? Is that what it is? Christmas and Easter? CEOs. CEO. Christers, Christmas and Easter only, Okay. Christmas and Easter are both significant holidays for the believers, but hands down, Easter is the most significant holiday because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And what we'll you, you couldn't have a sacrifice without a birth. And I realize there, well, that, there can't be a death without a birth, but the birth of Jesus Christ did not provide salvation. It provided a Messiah. It provided a, a God incarnate. It provided God in the flesh who would come to be the sacrifice. But if it had just been the birth of Jesus Christ and there had been no sacrifice and had there been no, no, no death, there would be no salvation. Amen? It's the death that provides the salvation that Jesus Christ gave it. His death on the cross and his resurrection from the death is what provides us with salvation. Now, let's look at something that's, that's important. When someone dies a traumatic death, we don't really want to remember that. We ask God to remove that from our, from our minds. When, we, when someone in a, that we know dies a traumatic death, we don't even want to think about it. We ask God and pray to, to please remove that from us so we don't comprehend, reflect on it because we don't want to reflect on it. It's completely understandable from a human standpoint to want to remove that from our memory. But Jesus Christ died the most traumatic death imaginable. He died death on the cross, which is the most humiliating, the most cruel, the most painful way to die. And he wants us to remember that. He wants us to remember it because of the significance that it has. We must remember that he died because of the significance of that is part of the gospel message. Man, he died on the cross to pay a sacrifice. He was buried in a tomb, and then he rose again. And that's what we, 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 shed, we should share with a lost and dying world. That's going to save sinners from eternal separation from God. It's not the birth but his, or his life, but his death that made the port, importance on the cross, and that's what's going to accomplish the task. Extremely important that we remember why Christ died. We don't just remember that he did die because he did, but we need to remember why he died. We need to remember how he died. We remember why he died because he died for the sins of the world. He was going to be a substitute for us. He paid a debt that 
He didn't know that we couldn't pay. That's why he died. We need to remember how he died. He died willingly. He went to the cross as an obedience to his father. He went to the cross because of his love that he has for people. He did not once deviate from his path. He did not once deviate from the the path that was taking him to the cross. He willingly went to the cross in the most human, uh, uh, humble service imaginable. That's when we looking back. Let's look forward. The Bible goes on and talks about some things. We observe the Lord's Supper until He returns. We partake of the Lord's Supper, remembrance of the sacrifice He did, and we do that until He returns to receive His church to Himself. He says we do it until He returns. One of the anchors in the Christian church is the promise that Jesus made before He rescinded or ascended back into heaven was the fact that I'm going to come again. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And we know that he's going to come again with the shadow of the archangel. He's going to come on a, on a, in the clouds and we're going to rise up and be with him in the clouds. Jesus not only died for the sins of the people, but he rose again and ascended into heaven. And one day he's going to return and take us into heaven with him where we're going to spend eternity with him. Now this is the important part. Let's look within. We need to make sure... That when we partake of the Lord's Supper in a, worthy, in a worthy manner, that it means that each person has examined his or her own life and have made sure that they're in a right relationship with God and they're in a right relationship with other believers. If we are to partake in a worthy manner, we must examine our own hearts. We must judge our own sins. We must confess these sins before the Lord and lay it at the cross. To come to the Lord's table with an unconfessed sin in our lives is to be guilty of the Christ's body and blood. That's what the scripture says. Because it was sin that nailed him to the cross. Not one, no one should come to the Lord's table that's not a true believer. If you're not a believer, you shouldn't come to the Lord's table because you're receiving it in an unworthy manner. Nor should someone come to the Lord's table who is a believer that is not in right fellowship with God or other Christians. Communion should be a time of thanksgiving and joyful anticipation that Jesus is going to return again. Communion means that we remember what he done for us. We remember that, that his body was broken, his blood was shed. But we also remember that he's going to come back for us. And that's where the significance of this. Jesus gave thanks before he partake of the Lord's Supper. He gave thanks knowing that he was going to be betrayed in the same night. He gave thanks before they had this supper together, even know that he was heading to the cross because he knew what it represented. Let us give thanks to God for the love that he has for each of us. The Lord's Supper is so important. And I hope that this, this brief little uh, synopsis into the scriptures explains exactly what it means to partake. And I want us to self-examine this morning. Man, this is when we're going to do some self-examination. You're going to look at your own hearts. You're going to look at your own minds. If there's something that needs to go before the Lord this morning, you need to lay it at the feet of the cross before we take of the Lord's Supper because it is a worship experience, and it's a celebration. God loves us so much. Man, he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He gave us, gave us the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's how much he loves us. That's when his body was broken and blood was shed because of the love that he had for us and the love that God had for us. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. 
And everybody loves to get a gift. God give us a gift in Jesus Christ. He provided eternal salvation for us. He gave us a way to have a relationship with him. He gave us a way to have a right relationship with him. He gave us a way to have eternal life with him in heaven by giving us Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 straight up says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sin creates a separation, and there's no way to get to God through sin. You can't go around it. There had to be something to take the place of it. And that's the only way. And Jesus Christ provided that place for us on the cross when his body was broken and his blood was shed and he gave us eternal life. Romans 10, 13 says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's one of my favorite parts of the scripture. That first word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you did today. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last month, last year says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be in a right relationship with God this morning. There may be something in your life that has been hindering you. There may be something in your life that's been a problem. There may be something that's been keeping you from having that great relationship. Because let me tell you something. The closer you get to God, the sweeter it gets. Amen? Man, your relationship, the closer it gets, the sweeter it gets. And whatever that is this morning, I want you to examine that yourself. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, and eternity is too long to be wrong. Maybe this morning you want to be sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that easy. If you don't know him, I pray that you'll come to know him before this day is out. If you know him and your relationship is right with him, I pray that before you leave this building that you're going to have that all settled. If there's other issues in your life, this is when you bring them to the cross. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And then after that, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. But during this time of invitation, this is where you want to make sure it's right. This is a, a vertical time when you spend with, with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have a time of invitation. I'll be down front. If you need to come to the, to the altar, certainly bring it to the altar. If you want to take care of it right where you are, you can take care of it right where you are. But make sure that you cleanse it. Make sure you take it to the cross and make sure you give it to Jesus this morning. This is something we want to do together and something we want to worship through together. Father God, I come before you this morning thanking you for who you are. God, just thanking you for the blood of Christ and thank you for the, the, the sacrifice that he made for us. Father, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they come to know you. God, if there's others in our congregation, Father of our if there's any obstacles that are hindering our relationship with you, God, I pray that this day we would settle that and we would move them out of the way. And God, I just pray that we would be in unison with each other and in unison with you. Father, I ask you bless in our time of invitation. Father, I ask you touch lives where lives need to be touched. And God, just increase our fellowship with you. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.